little bit different. All right, today's scripture is from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your, near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. morning church. It's great to be back here in Frio. It's been a while since I was able to um, join the service here. Um, I always love coming coming out to Fremantle, um, so it's a real privilege to be here this morning um, as we continue in the Psalms for summer. Uh, so this is what the church has been going through the last few weeks. If you haven't been here, we're looking at the Psalms of the Bible as we work through them this summer. These Psalms are beautiful, rich songs from the Bible. And as we know, some of these psalms are full of joy, full of praise, but we also have many psalms that are full of sorrow or lament. Um, the psalm today that we've just heard read, Psalm 84, is interesting because it actually has a bit of both. It has joy and praise, but it also contains sorrow and lament. Um, verse 10 is kind of the um, famous verse from this psalm, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Um, made famous by Matt Redman, the song that probably all of you know, it's been in my head for about the last month, so I'm looking forward to singing it this morning and maybe it might leave my head. Um, this psalmist is describing the courts of the Lord, the house of God. And that better is one day in this place than anywhere else, even thousands of days elsewhere. And the psalmist is longing, is yearning to be there. So this morning we'll look into the context of this psalm, who the psalmist is and what's going on, um, as well as trying to unpack and understand the joy and sorrow that is contained in this psalm. I want you to first think about a time where you were stuck somewhere, um, when you were longing to be in another place, but you just couldn't get there. You were stuck in a situation or a place, and there was nothing you could do about it. It's not that you um, were lost and didn't know where you wanted to go. You know exactly where you want to go. You just can't get there. Um, well, I think at the moment, a lot of us can relate to that with our travel restrictions. Um, it's great to be in Perth, COVID-free, but 
there's many of us that have friends or family across Australia or even around the world that we can't be with right now. Um, over Christmas, that would have probably been a particularly hard time when that sense of longing to be in another place or with other people was hitting you really strong. Um, my wife's from Germany and we've got family over there. So we had a little boy last year, our first kid, and he, her, her parents, little Oscar's grandparents, have yet to meet each other. And over Christmas, that became a real low point for us as we enjoyed our time here in Perth and with my family, we longed to be in Germany, in the snow, with Oma and Opa. And I'm sure many of you are feeling those heavy feelings. Um, another example that I experienced where I was longing to be somewhere else was when I found myself on a hike down in the southwest of WA, the Stirling Ranges. Um, if anyone knows the area, this isn't far from Albany, and the, range, the ridge walk through these Stirling Ranges um, finishes at Bluff Knoll. So some people go to Bluff Knoll for a hike. I found myself on the hike that the easy bit is finishing on Bluff Knoll. Um, I was a little bit ignorant going into this hike. I think my friends were so keen for me to just come along, they didn't really tell me what it was going to be like, and I didn't do any research. Um, so I realised that when I rocked up at one of their houses and they said, how did you fit all of that in your backpack? And I had the smallest backpack in the group and I was starting to realise that I've signed up for something a little bit more hardcore than I thought I was. Um, so the ranges, they're beautiful. We rocked up on a, a sunny summer morning, 30 odd degrees. You could see the whole thing as it went up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down all the way to Bluff Knoll. Um, it's about a two or three day hike and you camp just near the ranges before you take off. Um, if you've ever been in altitude or done any climbing, you know how quickly the weather can change. So by the afternoon, when I was already knackered and halfway through my water, because I didn't pack much, uh, we were in whiteout. And I don't know if anyone's ever been in whiteout on a mountain, but it pretty much means you're in a cloud, which sounds cool, kids, but it's not cool. Being in a cloud is really bad. It's really cold. You can't see further than like five meters away. It's blowing and it's wet. You're wet the whole time. Um, we had a group of six. Uh, we split up, never do that. Um, we, <laughs> we couldn't agree on where to go. No one's phone would work or you know, it wouldn't be zoomed in enough to see where to go. We had a little handbook for a map and it was pretty much like the worst time ever. Um, we eventually found a place where we could camp that night under some trees. And I just remember lying on about a 30 degree angle with pine cones in my back and a sleeping bag, wet and cold and uncomfortable and longing to be uh, back in beautiful Como uh, <laughs> in my nice warm bed um, off the Stirling Ranges. Um, I was kind of lost, but I wasn't really lost. I knew where our campsite was, I knew where Como was, but I couldn't get there. I want you to think about a similar situation that you might have had like that as we think about this psalmist who longed to be in the house of God. Let's work through a little bit of context for this psalm. So the psalmist um, writing here, we actually believe is to be King David. David is responsible for many of the psalms and the reasons why we think it's him is um, the language as well as where this description, this psalm might fit in to David's story. The psalm is addressed to these sons of Korah. The sons of Korah are musicians in the kingdom, in the temple, in the house 
of David. So this sort of tells us that this psalm, like the other psalms, is a song. It's to be written for music that the emotions can be fully conveyed. Um, now you may be asking, why is David longing so much to be in the temple? Is it, is it a Tuesday and he just can't wait for the weekend when he gets to go to temple? Um, well, no, we actually believe that David is not even in Jerusalem at this point. Um, the consensus is that this psalm is paralleling um, part of David's story in the book of Samuel. The book of Samuel tells us about how David rises to become the king of Israel and that the nation grows to this wondrous kingdom, but it also tells us about his life and some of the chaos and the problems that occur for King David. <coughs> so David has multiple wives and multiple children. And this part in 2 Samuel around chapter 14, uh, we go through some of the evil and the chaos that occurs between David's children. We have a story where one son sexually abuses his sister, another son murders another brother. It's out of control and it's evil. One of David's sons, Absalom, begins a conspiracy against his own father. He builds this rebellion, um, these followers that start to want to overthrow the king and bring in Absalom as king. Well, the momentum grows in this conspiracy and David's son gets to the point of power and threat that David realizes he needs to get out of Jerusalem before his kingdom is overthrown and he and his followers are probably killed. So David flees the city with his followers. The city that he was so um, crucial to developing, the city that contains the temple, the house of God for Israel. What a disaster. And David is out here, outside of the kingdom, stuck in some other town, and he cries out to God. He longs to be in the house of God to the point of fainting. What dramatic language that is, fainting. Um, for David and the people of Israel, um, the temple is central to the city. For the Old Testament's understanding of our relationship with God is always through this place, the temple. This is where people come to receive God's mercy and God's grace. So to be away from this temple, this dwelling place of God, it actually shows us that David isn't just longing for the place of the temple, the place of Jerusalem, he is longing for the presence of God. He feels it viscerally, his heart and his flesh sing for joy to the living God. As mentioned, we do have psalms and also other books of the Bible that talk about lament or this sort of crying out to God in your suffering. And this psalm in particular, it puts to words the pain that David felt. It's able to um, put just some order to the chaos of his suffering. It's not this wild yelling, it's deep, thoughtful poetry and he brings these things to the Lord. I want us to keep that in mind this morning um, as we are encouraged by these lamentations, this crying out from the psalmist. And I want us to be encouraged that God wants us to do this, that this is good for our soul to cry out to him when we are suffering. This morning we're going to look at three Ps 
to help us reflect on this psalm. So we've got place, we've got people, and we've got presence, with a C-E, not P, presence. Um, so these three P's will also help us think about church. So today's message this morning is brought to you by the letter P. <coughs> Silent P in psalm as well. All right. So we're starting with the idea of place, and this is where the psalm starts, this longing for this place, this house of God. In the 21st century, the idea of place um, has become a little less obvious, at least a little less physical. Um, consider our online digital world. Uh, we all noticed that last year, um, it's now possible not to be in the same place to run an organization, to get a degree, to have a relationship. The idea of place has completely changed in our 21st century. So the question needs to be asked, does place still matter? Is an online forum just as good as your local library? Uh, many people today in our age, in our society, only believe in a physical world. They only believe in a physical world and nothing else. That we're only um, molecules and atoms, that we're just bricks and mortar in this building here today. And when we think about these things, they're only good if they're useful. When we think about the meaning things have, the only meaning it has, the only meaning it has is what we give it, what we put on that thing or on that place. So how does this look in Christianity? How does, what does Christianity, Christianity say about this physical world? Uh, well, we definitely think the physical world is practical, but we believe there is more than just this imminent physical place. We believe in the transcendent. We believe in a higher power with higher purpose. Um, we believe that physical things and physical places have inherent goodness and purpose. Um, we believe God created, God designed humanity, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, the sun, the moon, the stars, for his good and perfect will. Um, now, we're careful not to worship this creation as we worship our creator, but it's here, all for our good. So when we think about the physical place of church, which many of us probably were thinking about last year when things changed a little bit, we recognize church as a place is a good thing, is for our blessing and benefit as we value it in the right way. Um, in this psalm in verse um, three, we read about the birds, even the sparrows find a home. This is a beautiful picture of how this temple, this place of God, fulfills life. Um, we live in a very busy world with distractions and notifications going off all the time. Um, I heard it once by a kind of psychology expert that having a phone in your pocket does to your brain the same thing that being in a crowded room does but it's constant, it's 24-7. You're a moment away from starting a conversation with any hundred people. So capturing our attention can be pretty difficult. By having a place set apart for the worship of God helps us break away from the hustle and bustle of the busyness of life. Uh, many of you for the first time last year experienced um, for the first time Living room church, living room church. How good is living room church? Roll out of your bed, 
or don't roll out of your bed, pyjamas or not pyjamas, on your phone, laptop, telly, whatever you like, you can enjoy church. Um, for us, we had our little baby around this time, and we thought it was pretty good. Um, we could, you know, watch church when the nap was happening, feed during it, no disturbances, press pause or fast forward if we kind of wanted to move things a little quicker. Not, not sure how it would go telling Lee to pause when he's on a roll. I don't think we, we would be wanting to do that when he's up here. Um, and it was a totally different experience of what church was. Uh, for, for us, as maybe some of you as well experienced, doing church in the living room could get a little distracting. It could get really easy to find yourself <coughs> a bit distracted from what the message was on or the, the worship. Um, <coughs> you could find that your phone would go off and you wanted to go and look at it. And you started to think maybe that um, this church in your living room was lacking some of the fullness, some of the purpose that a place was meant to give you when you're doing church. Of course, the other thing that the um, living room was missing was all the people. Thank you. <laughs> um, how do we know that the psalmist was also longing for people? This brings us to our second P, people, and we can look at verse 4 to get a bit of an idea of how the psalmist is missing the people. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. David wants to be with his people, the people of Israel, the Jewish people singing praise to the living God. Um, and this is what many of us longed for last year. As much as the place, we also longed for the people, the community that we knew so well. We longed to be together worshipping God. A great expression that um, the late senior pastor of the church I go to, I mean Subi, Graham Johnson, he would use to describe the people of the church as the church gathered and the church scattered. The church gathered and the church scattered. It's like we gather on a Sunday, but church doesn't end there. We scatter throughout the week in our homes and in our workplaces. And this idea helps us appreciate that church is place, but it's still more than that. It's also the people. Um, Christianity is a personal religion and we are saved individually. We have a personal individual relationship with God but it doesn't end there. We are saved into a family. We're saved into the family of God. Brothers and sisters of believers, children of the Lord. I think this is the most encouraging thing um, since returning to church for us is how many people came back to church? You wonder how many were going to come back. Look at this building, we're full today. And many churches in Perth have been able to enjoy being able to meet physically again. It's the most encouraging thing to stand alongside your friends and family, brothers and sisters in Christ, worshipping the Lord. And we have examples from history of similar things to this. Think about the church under persecution in different parts of the world and namely in the first century under Rome, the early church. Despite persecution from the Romans for, to um, imprison or even put to death these Christians, they still met. That's how important meeting with people, meeting in a place was for them. It's a great example for us. The point in human history where God shows and demonstrates his ultimate love for the world is when God comes to earth as a man, as Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
he comes into the physical place from his invisible place to love his people, to dwell among us. Um, and this is going to lead us into our third P. So we've had place, we've had people, and now we're going to look at presence, the presence of God. So obviously it hasn't been possible for us to meet in um, the last year, and it's still the case for many people around the world that they're still not able to meet physically in their churches. Um, and we know, aside from coronavirus, there are many reasons why we sometimes can't meet. Perhaps you're just sick, or the travel to wherever you're going is just not possible. Sometimes the stress and anxiety of just being in a large room and large group of people gives people a sense of anxiety that they just can't be in that room. And we need to be conscious of all these different aspects that make it difficult to meet. Uh, what I'm not saying this morning, what I'm not saying this morning is that if you miss church for one week, you are any less holy, any less Christian than the ones that turned up. And what I'm also not saying that if you're not meeting in a big stone building with beautiful glass stained windows, that your, ch your church service doesn't count. I'm not saying either of those things. Um, this is a tension. We have many tensions when we understand um, Christian themes and we need to understand this one. These physical places are here for our benefit. Meeting in a group, a congregation, is there for our blessing. It's not always possible, but we do strive for that. We're not restricted, we're not limited by place or by people, however, to be in God's presence. So let's just think about that idea as we compare ourselves to how things were for Israel and for King David, the psalmist. <coughs> things are a little different. Um, as I mentioned at the start, the place of worship in the temple was where people came to receive God's mercy and God's grace. It's where the priests would complete sacrifices to pay for the debts, the sins of the people of Israel. And it's where God would dwell. So how does that look for us in the 21st century, in the New Testament, the new era, that we've already had Christ come and pay for our debts? So how does this look? In Ephesians chapter 2, um, at the end of it, in verse 18, um, we see a beautiful picture of what the New Testament idea is. Um, verse 18 to 22, I'll read it. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens and saints with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And verse 22, the last bit, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I'll say that again, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What an amazing picture. What an amazing description of what Christ's ultimate sacrifice has done for us today. The Lord, through the work of the Spirit, is building a dwelling place within us. 
isn't that just an amazing thing to think about when we have that sense of longing? It's similar to David's, but it's also a little bit different. Um, we live in a unique age. If anyone's ever completed um, Vaughan Roberts' God Big, God's Big Picture, he puts a really nice way of explaining the age we live in. He calls it the now, but the not yet. The now, but the not yet. Um, we're now in an age where we have seen the Messiah. We have seen what Jesus has done and we have the blessing and benefit of salvation from him. But we are not yet at that final age. That final age is heaven. And heaven is where God's place, God's people and God's presence are fully in one. Even Christians who love the Lord and follow Jesus can still struggle. And that's because we're still in this world. We're not yet in that place of heaven. Um, we find ourselves longing for different things in this world, for money, sex, power, these physical things that give us gratification and sometimes even purpose. But what scripture is telling us is that these longings we have longings for these things is really the deepest part of our soul crying out longing to be reunited with our creator longing for that ultimate peace that ultimate joy as we return to him who gives us life saint augustine one of the great theologians of the early centuries has um, a beautiful line where he says our heart is restless until it rests our heart is restless until it rests in you. Being in God's full and perfect presence is what we ultimately long for. So we've had these three Ps, place, people, presence. Um, and I want to conclude by just asking you um, something to think about, ask you a question. What are you trusting at the moment? Are you trusting in a vaccine? Are you trusting in your government? Are you trusting in some key people around you? I mean, these things can all be good things, but do they deal with your deepest sense of longing? Perhaps you've been told over the years that to find your true meaning and true purpose, you need to look within and find the answer inside you. Well, the psalmist calls us to trust in the Lord. He, he calls us to look outward and to find the Lord who creates and sustains all things physical and all things spiritual. We read in verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The psalmist describes our God as a sun and a shield, a sun as the source of life, the sun that brings and provides life to this earth. A shield that protects us, protects us from evil. So when we trust in God and when we know Jesus, understand what Jesus has done for us, this is actually how we today can meet that deepest longing in our hearts. Um, so wherever you are today, as you go through your week and whatever's unique in your life, as you reflect on what you long for, remember, as the psalmist did, God wants us to bring his 
bring to him our struggles, our suffering. He wants us to bring to him what we long for, and he wants us to trust him so that he can give us strength. He can strengthen us and use our lives for good, for his good, whatever our circumstance might be. Um, Let's pray together now as we think about these things. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning that we can meet physically in this place with these beautiful people and be in your presence. We also thank you, Lord, that we are still in your presence when we leave this building, when we are alone. We thank you for what you are building in our hearts, that you dwell with us and you dwell in us. Lord, I pray um, as we find ourselves longing for worldly things, we will see that the deepest part of our heart and flesh is actually longing for you. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to meet us in our world, in the flesh, and die for our sins that we can have right relationship with you and restore relationship with each other. We pray for these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.